Small businesses are the backbone of America, and they help keep the spirit of Texas alive. But did you know as many as 50% will close their doors forever after just five years? Well, we're here to change that. This is The Beef. We know how tough it is to be an entrepreneur today. We're giving small business owners a platform to share their story. You'll hear it all. The highs and the lows. The good and the bad. But most importantly, you'll learn. Welcome to The Beef. The Beef. Oh yeah, welcome back everybody to another episode of the Beef Podcast. Now, I'm sitting here looking at it as we talk and it looks like one, two, three, four, five, maybe six more episodes before it is time for a brand new name, a brand new intro, brand new outro, brand new everything. All the branding is changing. This show is going to have a whole new name. Still going to be the same great show. You're going to find it anywhere you get your podcast, and it's going to be the same channel. If you've already favorited us, you're not going to lose us. Nothing to worry about there, but man, it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have something pretty exciting. I'm pretty sad to lose the beef, but we're still here. We're still in it. This is another episode of the Beef Podcast, and it's going to be a great episode because I have a really cool business on, one that we've never tapped into before. Well, I guess we kind of did because we had Hannah on and she may have talked about it, but we've never really gotten to see where she comes from, where you can find her artwork here in Tomball. So we've got Da Vinci Art Gallery right here on Main Street in historical downtown Tomball, Texas. And I've got Larry and Eric on the show. Fellas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Man, it's exciting to have y'all here. I tell every guest I'm excited to have them here, and I really mean it because we're always doing something different like this. Like This is something I'm not used to. I'm not used to talking to a business that has this setup like y'all do, so this is going to be really cool, but we always have to start out with our icebreaker question. It's the hardest question of the show. Everybody always flips out, right? What's your favorite way to unwind after work? Ooh, favorite way for me to unwind is... I think it's the late night part, right? I finally get to settle down, finally get to binge watch something on Netflix or something. But I'm an early morning guy. I get up and paint. And that's kind of my release in the morning. Nobody's moving. Everything's quiet. And I get to paint. That's my time. That's my real unwind. Well, I'm going to crack a cold beer, pour it into an (laughs) icy mug, and cook dinner. We talked about those icy mugs. That's important to you. Well, I, I do a lot of cooking. It's another passion of mine. And I... My wife cooks as well, but a lot of times I'm cooking dinner and uh, I find it enjoyable, relaxing. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the unwind. Come home, come back in from the studio and crack beer, start cooking. Just could be anything. Yeah. I've got three kids, man. So I don't get to always crack open a cold one and enjoy it. They know dad drinks. They'll tell you my favorite brand. They don't have a problem with that. But (laughs) we're just so busy at home with three kids. I don't know how many y'all have, but... I'm sure that you're aware that it's a lot of work. So they're running us ragged. Well, we both did it, but luckily they're grown and gone now. So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My wife and I, we have this ritual of playing the Nintendo Switch together. Oh, you do? We've never... I've always been a video gamer. She hasn't. And recently she's kind of taken... She used to play video games with me. And then when you have kids, she kind of lost interest. And now we'll just unwind for like an hour, hour and a half each night playing Super Smash Bros. And just beating the crap out of each other on a video game, you know? And then a lot of trash talk goes into it. 
and call each other some choice words and uh-huh. tell each other we love each other and go to bed, you know? So <laughs> I, I think it. it's a healthy married relationship. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I do though. I love to crack open a cold one and sometimes, you know, it'll be grilling back there. Other times it's just watching TV with the kids on the couch and just enjoying that time while I have it. Reading a book, you know, we had a couple episodes ago. We had, um, it's called babyboomer.org. And Mark, we had this great discussion about reading to your kids at bedtime and I've always valued it. But now that we had that discussion, he like opened my eyes to how important it is that we do that. And I never realized like that is such a good thing to do. It is. So now I take even more interest in making sure that we're reading and we're talking about the book and how it made them feel. And it all kind of ties into art too, because my daughter is extremely creative She's an artist, so she loves to read that stuff, look at the artwork in there, and then discuss all of it. That's amazing. I think it's really beneficial as they grow up. And there's a certain age that they get to, you know, when they're three, four, five, they're really into it. They love it. I mean, they can't can't go to sleep without it, right? So, yeah, it's great. We found reading to kids was really important. Our kids, actually, they might have been couple of years into school before they realized there was a thing as network TV. Yeah. We would read at night. They yeah. might watch a video, but that was every night. You read to the kids and eventually they felt like they wanted to read on their own. Yeah. yeah. I will say there are a lot of times where they've kind of got the tablet out and they're watching videos and then we're watching because, you know, we have a spread. So I've got a 13-year-old, a 7-year-old and a 3-year-old. So the three-year-old does not want to watch what the seven-year-old wants to watch. Rarely do they find one video that they're all like, yes, I like this movie or I like this video. So it's usually a spread of stuff that's being watched, but we're all spending time together at least. Yeah. Just kind of sitting around each other existing. It's important. So we definitely, because we know we have some of those bad traits, quote unquote, we try to make sure we we throw in some good ones too. And yeah, my three-year-old will not, my seven-year-old can go without it, but my three-year-old will absolutely not go to bed without a book. It is very rare. That's great. Yeah. So, but as good as this conversation is, we're here to talk about Da Vinci Art Gallery. So, man, let's just hop into, you know, Larry, who are you? Where'd you come from? How did you get involved? And then we can jump into Eric and just kind of see, you know, where y'all came from and how you got here. That's where I came from. So I was born and raised in Newark, New Jersey. Okay. And had a job working in the oil industry and that brought me to Houston. So I've been in this area, the spring Tomball area on and off for, I don't know, 40 years or so. And so that's what brought me here. Right. And as far as Da Vinci, I I started wood turning. I'm a wood turner and making bowls out of mostly found wood. And I just started doing that. And I found that I had a passion around it. I, I just couldn't stop. And was at one point kind of recruited by the then manager or director of the gallery to come in and show. And I, I started that and it's been a while, but uh, I haven't stopped. Fair enough. Larry and I have this in common. I was in the oil and gas business here as well. But as an artist, I originally bought an airbrush back when airbrushes were cool in the <laughs> in the 80s and got a job at a map company, went back to school, got some drafting classes, and a year later was hired on at Exxon as a draftsman or a graphic artist. So I spent 23 years there. It was amazing before automation, and some people don't realize that there was a period before automation. We did everything manually, and I got to work with phenomenal artists in this department and learned a lot of tricks and a lot of trades with paints and with inks. 
So I always had a passion for drawing, redrawing comic books as a kid and thought, you know, maybe this is something that I should pursue. So the career at Exxon was fantastic. Retired now and paint all the time. So unfortunately, for my wife, unfortunately, she told me there was a gallery in Tomball. And I was like, what? So I pestered the artists there for about four months till they said, do you want to join up? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I really do. So four years later, here I am. Now I'm director. So it's, uh, it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing, like with, with all this, normally when I'm doing outreach and trying to find people to be on the show, I got to talk to the boss man, you know, and, and generally we like to have the, the CEO or in an ideal world, the entrepreneur behind it. So whether it's the founder or CEO, the business owner is who we talked to. And, and I was immediately directed to you, Eric. And then something I found out is that this isn't like a sole proprietorship. This is not uh, an owned company that just runs. I'm sure y'all make a profit, but it doesn't just run for a profit on the side of Main Street as a shop. It's different. Y'all are membership based and you kind of have like a cooperative going on. So how do you fit in as the role of director? How did you get there? And then what does it mean to be a cooperative versus a sole proprietor? Yeah, it's a good question. We actually, we're all, and I encourage everybody to feel like an owner there. We all pay a monthly due to be members there, but we're also responsible. We have a sign-up schedule that we do every month. We each work about three days a month at minimum. Some work 10, but it's great. And, and I think being director is an opportunity that came about because the current director, Joe, is doing a lot of traveling now and thought that uh, he wasn't going to be able to maintain everything at the gallery. So asked me if I would fill in. And so here I am as director. But it's a lot of fun. I, I think that everybody feels very comfortable there. It's it's more of a family than it is a business. And I think the exposure to all the artists and everything is uh, it's amazing. It's really fun. When I come there and spend money on an item, then mm -hmm. am I supporting my local artist directly? Am I supporting the cooperative or both? It's a good question. And a lot of galleries are 50% of the take. So a gallery will take 50% of the artist's profit. Da Vinci Gallery only takes 15%, which is great. So the 15% does support the gallery, but it is the majority of those funds that the customer is paid for goes toward that local gallery or toward the local artist. So, gotcha. Yeah. Well, and the gallery is important. You know, it has to maintain itself too. Otherwise, it doesn't give the exposure for the artist. So I see that exactly. there where yeah. it's like, you know, some would say skimming 50% even. That's pretty high compared to what y'all do. But it's like, well, hey, if that if that gallery is driving a lot of traffic, I'd gladly give 50% to get that business. Well, and that's the thing. You'd rather pay the gallery than have it close the doors and yep. not have the opportunity. So. No, that's pretty cool. How many artists do y'all have in-house? We have 16 artists right now. Okay. And it fluctuates between 14, 17, something like that. That was my next question. But yeah. Yeah. In our bylaws, we say a, a maximum of 30, which would be really crazy. There just isn't enough space in there. But we all have about, I would say, 16 feet of space that we all can hang our art in. Sometimes we mix it up. Sometimes we, we group each artist in their own art section, their own art area. And uh, it works out really well. So some artists that do smaller pieces may have 40 pieces in there. Some that do larger ones may have five pieces in there, but it's a great division and it's a great, great way of doing it. Yeah. So do y'all both have artwork in there? Are you both artists we along? Are, I mean, are, it yes. seems like a dumb question, but you know, someone who, who's totally from the outside, I love art, but it's yeah. not my thing. Like I've just never been a part of it. So. Everybody there is an artist and 
There are no paid jobs. Being a co-op, everyone is volunteering their time. Uh, they're paying their membership dues. But the people who are running things, Eric, Joe, a few other people on the board, they're essentially voted in, but they're voted in mostly because they have volunteered to take on additional responsibility. We're all working together, and that that really gets to the true you know, essence of the word cooperative. We are all cooperating with each other. And, and another part of that, I think, is that we're pretty selective as far as people who come in and want to be part of the gallery. And there, there are two, we look at a lot of things, but the two main things we look at is their art. Is it good or is it good <laughs> enough or not? Yeah. And then the other thing is, can we get along with this person? Right. Yeah. Do they, do they fit? Do they I'm fit? sure it's like a family. It is yeah. a family. We really put an emphasis on only admitting artists who we feel like we can work with and get along with. There, there's no sense bringing someone in, no matter how good their art is, if they're going to be a problem for everybody else. Yes, I totally get it. Even though, obviously, the cooperative is a lot different than a business, there's a lot of similarities there, too. And if I didn't get along with Video John and I didn't get along with Andrew, who's our CEO here, and Desiree, our like assistant receptionist, she's man, she does everything around here. And then Kara, our social girl, if I didn't like them, I would dread coming to work every day. Makes and it that tough. would that would suck. Yep. So that's cool that y'all all have that ownership to say, like, hey, I'm sorry, but this person's just not our vibe. You know, because yep. y'all have a really cool vibe. So I got the, you know not the reason that y'all are on the show. Cause I just reached out to you prior to that, but you had invited me after we'd spoken to an open house. So I know y'all have community outreach and I know y'all do events and I want to get into that, but let me just say that if you're looking for something to do in the Northwest Houston area, right here in, in Northwest Houston is a little town called Tomball and we're not so little anymore. We're growing like crazy and we have some really cool stuff on main street. And part of that is y'all shop, but then right next to it, man, I'm trying to get everybody that's around you on the show because y'all have some really cool shops that surround you, the farmer's market that's nearby. But what I noticed was the open house y'all did kind of like your business wasn't just y'all hosting an event. You had your open house and the next door was doing their thing. The, the other side was doing their thing. There was a festival at the front where they just had like a bunch of vendors set up and it really was just kind of that old school, like come support these people who are out here working their faces off to make a product, but don't have a storefront and the storefronts that are here providing a spot for them. So not only is it something fun to do, because my seven-year-old daughter had a freaking blast, man, Good. but you're also supporting other people and businesses that are supporting other people. So what type of community outreach are y'all doing? What type of events are y'all doing? And how do we find out about those things? Well, we are actually working pretty close with Lone Star College now. We actually have Lone Star College students that are coming out to intern. We have Lone Star College students that are coming out to help us with some of the labor and learn the business. So we have one new intern that's come in and she'll be there for about six months, two semesters. And and she's working toward a number that she has to reach in order to get her degree plan. So 
great stuff with Lone Star College. We've been doing a lot with them. We're working with Tomball ISD now to get them in for an art show. So we know that each of the schools at the end of the semester will have an art show. And, and we want to take their art from the school now. We have Cy Ranch coming in March and we have Tomball coming in April to bring their students' art into the gallery to, I think, expose Tomball ISD and Cypress to the gallery into that area. So I think it's a win-win. It is. Some of the biggest events with the most energy and buzz going on is when the high school students have their art hung in the gallery and they get dressed all, all dressed up in gowns or ties and their parents come, their grandparents come, all their friends and neighbors. For the students, it's a big deal to have their work, their art hung in a gallery. It works out well for everybody. So I'll do a plug. October 27th is the next Sip and Stroll. Yep. And we are putting in an art walk. So on our side of the street from block to block, corner to corner, we're going to have all of our artists set up outside. We're hoping the weather's going to be beautiful by then. It should be a beautiful night. But we're going to do costumes, trick-or-treat, Halloween, the whole thing. But we'll also have our art walk going on along with the Sip and Stroll. If the listeners have not been to a Sip and Stroll, yeah, big it's deal. great. I mean, we get, on a normal day, we'll get 25 people come through the gallery. On a Sip and Stroll, we'll get 125, 150 people come through, which is great for a little gallery in Tomball. It's amazing. Our sales are great. Everything about it is just promoting the community. It's really yeah. good. It may be a small in size gallery, but man, one of the things I was thinking the whole time I walked through there that day with my daughter, I was like, wow, Tomball has this, you know? Yeah. And it's, I've been around the Tomball area for, I mean, all my life. I grew up in Waller. I've lived in the area for the past 10, 11 years minimum, and I've lived in the city proper now for a year. I've worked for the city as a firefighter full time for eight years now. Well, full-time four years, part-time with that combined eight years total that I've been in the city. And I'm like, I've seen Da Vinci Art Gallery. Right. I know about it, but I've never thought to stop in. And I just, like, the biggest thing I can encourage my listeners is to say, hey, don't have that hesitation like I did right. because you're missing out on something cool, yeah. even yeah. if art's not your thing. People may think, and I, people have told me this, that... Oh, you know, an art gallery in Tomball, like how good could it be? Or they think it's going to be not high quality Absolutely. or they think it's going to be hokey in one way or another. Yep. But comments I get from other galleries, other artists around the country, when I send them a link, wow, that's a really cool looking gallery. Yes. It, you know, it, I think we look every bit as good as any gallery in downtown Houston. That was my whole thing was my hesitation was exactly that. And I mean, I, I don't mean that rudely. Sure. But- when you don't know, you don't know. You don't. And so you I don't. did. Yeah. yeah. I was like, mm, art gallery and Tomball. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then when I walked in, I was like, man, this is cool. Plus it helped that like I've known Hannah Maria for a little while now and she's super cool. Her artwork is great. And then to see all the other stuff and the wide variety of styles, that's the big thing I like is you walk in and there's abstract and you walk in and there's like some, you know, hyper realistic stuff that you just see that you're like, man, this is really, really nice. Like I would hang this in a dining room or, you know, in my living room or somewhere and, and present it nicely. And then, you know, you can walk into other shops that you have next door and there's like aliens painted on old school artwork right next door to y'all too, yeah. you know, and they may not be a part of your gallery, but it 
the way Tomball feels, and you just don't know it unless you've seen it and been here, the way it feels is like everybody's a part of everybody. Because you're right, Sip and Stroll, shameless plug, that is doing such good for the community and bringing so many people into these shops. And, I mean, that's what people have to understand is y'all are cooperative because you couldn't go out and have your own space. You couldn't go out and have your own space and afford to do it the way you want to, but all together you can. But you said it too, John. We get people all the time that come in and say, I've lived in Tomball for 10, 12 years. <laughs> I never knew this was here. Yeah. I never come down to Main Street. You know, I go to Walmart. So we're glad to see it. We're, we're really blessed that it's all happening now. And I think Tomball, I think it's all part of the promotion of Tomball. It really is. There's been a lot of change, I would say, on Main Street. And there's still a lot of change slated. But I've noticed kind of like a big difference in, I guess, there's always been events in Tomball, but how connected Main Street is today versus how it may have been. And I mean, forgive me, I'm, I've am i only been in the business side of things for a couple of years now, but it doesn't seem like there's been this much connectedness among the people. I don't know, maybe y'all can speak to the changes you've seen in Tomball, you know, since you've been with the gallery. So but I live in Spring, not in Tomball. Okay. But I've been showing at Da Vinci for over 14 years. And uh, what I've seen over the time is, like you said, more of a convergence of arts on Main Street. The new owner, the cloud chief next door, new owner, entirely revamped. It was uh, not as attractive previously, but I see a lot of synergy going on there in terms of, of building you know, building some hype around arts in Tomball. Yeah. There's a there used to be a lot behind us. Now there's a brewery and yeah. they have some pretty oh, good brews. You know, different shops, places to eat. Barbecue Place down the street is one of the top rated barbecue joints in the uh, state, yep. which is saying something for Texas. Absolutely. It's just been an upward trend. The only thing I kind of regret is losing our parking spot out front when they oh. widen the street. It's amazing how every city in the world, I think, struggles with parking. And I'm with you. I get why. But man, that was something I was like, you know, having that parking right there on Main Street, just, it was so nice to be able to just pull up and then walk in and go see There stuff. is plenty of parking. Don't let that deter you. you there there the is parking right and, around the corner. And you can find it, but yeah, yeah you got to know the spots, you know, and just go in there and, and find your spot. And then it's so cool because you can just walk around Tomball and really enjoy your walk and find some things you didn't know were there. You know, Main Street's not the only shopping. There's other streets hidden behind, like Commerce has some awesome shops yep. on it. Market Street, um, yeah. Beefy Marketing's working on getting the word out there. It's you know, a little good. easier to, to find these places. I'll do another little plug. At 409 Commerce is now an open market on Saturday. And I went and set up my art there last Saturday. And I went to support and thought, okay, I'll go out there and represent, right, and be part of the community. But I actually sold two big pieces and was really, really happy. But it's a great opportunity. And it's just going to keep growing like that. I think I think those things are just going to spring, spring, pop, pop everywhere. So glad to see it happening in time. I was saying I've been at the gallery for a long time. Some people have a much shorter tenure there. Eric's been there four years. He's one of the old timers. Some people join the gallery. It's not really what they want or their, their situation changes. So there've been a lot of short timers too. 
we don't always have a spot open, but we always have a very short wait list. So if people out there are thinking, well, how do I do this? How do I get in the gallery? That was my next question. Was, oh, what? Okay. Mind no, reader. No. And that's great. I'm glad because as I told you, my daughter, yeah. you know, she's only seven, but eventually she's going to be interested in stuff like this. She wants to start doing some more artwork and stuff. So how... How do I know if I'd be a good fit? And do you, tell me a little bit about the process as far as like, sure. you know, what I need to do. Sure. So if someone out of the blue wants to apply to the gallery, they would go online, find our website, find the application, fill it out and submit it online. And it would go to one of our board members who processes the incoming applications. If it looks like someone we might be interested in, we'll ask them to submit some digital images of their work so we can do a first pass. And if that looks good, then we'll ask them to come to one of our setup meetings where we're all in the gallery rehanging all the work on, on one day and have us take a look at their work. And it gives us a chance to see their work and also to see the person. Right. And if things, you know, if there are no red flags, then the board will discuss it. And if the board you know, says, well, this person seems like they might be good, then we'll bring it to the general membership to vote. Yeah. So, and it's, it's not bad. It's $150 a month to be a member. So that kind of gets you in, gets your key, gets you the code to get in and so forth. I think the other opportunity about somebody coming to one of our events, whether we're rehanging new art or whether we we're having our fresh art open house is they also get to see it. So the flip side to that is they may come in and go, wow, this is more work than I was willing to do. But it is part of being that co-op. You do have to put some energy into the gallery as well. So sometimes they get the call and they say, well, it wasn't quite what I was thinking it was going to be. So it's, it's a great opportunity for new artists to come in. And as Larry said, we have some turnover. So if you're an artist out there and you're looking for a place to show and sell, Da Vinci Gallery is a great place. Yeah, it sounds like it. So nobody's going to get rich selling art at DaVinci sure. Gallery. I've been there, like I said, over 14 years, and, and I sell on a regular basis. And I know many of the other artists do sell on a regular basis as well. But one thing that I, I want to make one point is that when you come in and look at our art and look at the price points, you'll see this is really accessible. It's not like some galleries where you look at the prices and roll your eyes. I mean, we recognize where we are. We are in Tomball. And I think myself and most of the artists, maybe everybody feels that they want their art to be accessible. They'd rather sell a piece of art for a price that that anyone interested in art can afford and have it go home with them and then go home and make another piece of art. We haven't kept anybody who thinks that their work is so precious that it demands <laughs> an extremely high price. Yeah. That That's not our market. I think our art, everything is pretty much accessible to someone who's interested. Yeah. That's one thing I really liked when I had Hannah on the, the podcast was that that was important to her. And so what she did, which was really cool, was kind of opened up like my daughter, you know, don't get me wrong. I love my daughter to death. And I love y'all. I think y'all are amazing. What y'all are doing is amazing. I love Hannah. She's awesome. What she's doing is amazing, but I'm not going to buy a three or $400 set of artwork for a seven-year-old. Not yet. I'll get her there eventually. So she was like, hey, you can go get a pillow that has my artwork on a pillowcase and you can order that on my website and you can get that for your daughter and then she can have that or I can sell because the, the big thing is, you know, most of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but most of what I'm seeing there at the gallery is your original hand painted or it drawn is. or whatever it is. That's the original. So when we talk about a high price point, that's what you're seeing. But 
do all of your artists offer maybe a digital or a copy where you can purchase the artwork, but in a different format? We've struggled with this, John, because, yeah. because some of our artists paint and they want our gallery to be a fine arts gallery. And I get that. And then other artists or want to sell prints. So it's been a lot of headbutting and a lot of struggle. Right now, it's all original artwork. We have some gift cards in there that are blank, that okay. are that are prints of original artwork. But I think we're going to try to maintain the mentality of keeping price low, original artwork, fine artwork, but uh, keep it affordable. I thought this is much like Chevrolets and eggs in the country. They're cheaper. So art is too. I think a lot of these pieces of art, if they went downtown to Houston, would probably double in price. 100%. But we realized that we have to be realistic in what our clientele and what our audience is here and make it manageable. Yeah. You know, make it something that's still still something they want to take home. So. And don't get me wrong. I'll bring my wife to the gallery and we'll select something really nice because we want to fill up our house with yeah. some more stuff. And we're always looking for something that's not from Hobby Lobby or Walmart. No Thank offense you. to them, Thank but you. we want to support local. That's yep. what we do. Yep. So I'll get her a piece of three or $400 artwork. As much as my seven-year-old wants to spend all my money at Da Vinci, I won't let her yet. Right. I think that you'll find that for almost all of the artists, they'll have some higher dollar pieces and they'll have some pieces that are much, much more approachable. It may be that they're very big and very versus very small. Absolutely. Or it may be you know the amount of work that went into it, but... Yeah, I think every artist has a variety of price points for their different types of work that they have. And the thing is, everything that y'all sell there, when I when I came to the Fresh Art Open House, I found things from $2 all the way up to, I mean, I don't even know what the highest price was. You know, I know more than five, six, seven hundred bucks, yep. depending on how big it gets. But I say that to say, don't hesitate and think, well, I'm not going to spend three or $400. You don't have to. There's smaller pieces that you can get all the way down to, I know Larry brought me a couple of tops today, you know, to, to give to my kids. And I think aren't those a couple bucks a piece like at the 750. Yeah. Uh, so, so you can, you can They're spend some less money. Yeah. yeah. I sell a lot of them. And my daughter uh, very did popular. not go home empty handed from the yeah. event. She got to select something, you know, so there's still ways to support the gallery. There is one of the fun things we did. Uh, Joe revamped an old cigarette machine. So it has art that is the same size as a pack of cigarettes and, and for five dollars, you get a token, and you get to get a piece of art. That's killer, and it's original art from one of the gal from one of the gallery artists. So. I never looked into it. I saw the cigarette machine, yeah. and I was like, "Boy, I haven't seen one of those since growing up." Yeah. Like, you know, I was probably five, six, or seven, walking into I think like the Hill Bar and Grill out in Waller, and they had <laughs> one. And you know, my dad he was a he was a smoker, the Marlboro Reds, so <laughs> he'd get one out of there. But that's cool that it's still original. I can understand why there's headbutting about it and strong wills about it because I, I see both ways. But what I do like is right now getting something that is original may just not fit in everybody's budget. So I do like having the option, but you know, I get where y'all are coming from. I can see yeah. why it's a contentious issue and it everybody's is. strong willed about is. it. And yeah. yeah. But it's a cool place to go. I don't think we talked enough about the open house. I don't know. Maybe I missed something, but I want to encourage everybody to go because yeah, yeah. it was honestly, my wife thought my daughter was going to be so bored. She's like, you're taking a seven-year-old to an art gallery. She's going to be so bored. And I don't know if you remember my daughter, mm -hmm. but man, her and Hannah oh, just do. like linked. Yeah. And then we started talking at the front door yeah. and then Hannah and my daughter just disappeared and they just went all around the art gallery. That's great. And then Joe was there and she fell in love with one of his pieces that he does. And she started asking me a million questions and she's like, well, I wonder how they made this and how he did that. And I said, well, you see the name on the bottom. Here's the cool part about this place. 
go ask everyone their name until you find Mr. Joe. Yeah. And then she did. And then he's like, oh man, well, I've been painting since this long and this was my process and this was a series and this is how I did it. And he told her everything and her mind just exploded with excitement because she was so happy. We're all artists and we all have, you know, full or part time, but we all have a passion around what we do. And if you want to get your ear bent, just ask an artist (laughs) about his art and how he does it. Yeah. And you'll get the full story. For sure. But what's cool about it to me is it's the same thing with, with this, this podcast right here. The whole reason we have this podcast is so that you're not just going to Captain Brad's because there's good food there. You're going because you've heard the story of Brittany and you know why she owns it, how she got there, what she's done to do it. And you can do that live at this open house because you can walk up to the artist and say, how'd you make that? Went into that. What was your process? And then figure out like, oh, wow, it's $400, but this person spent this long this much material, this much thought process, this many years of training, traditional, not traditional, all of the stuff that goes behind it, you learn that from the artist and you figure out why you want that artwork. That really helps build an emotional bond between someone, one of our patrons and the artist. And what you described, I experience that every time we have an open (laughs) house. I do wood turning, I make bowls and also some sculptural vases. And people always ask, first thing is like, where do you get your wood? But how do you make this? And I have to explain how I make the piece. But while I do that, I put the piece that they're looking at in their hands because it's a very tactile medium. And people come in, they have a chance to hold the piece and and yep. explore it with their hands while we're also talking about it. And then it's also very effective in terms of selling something or convincing somebody that something that they like is something that they should take home. Yeah. I was at a show once at, at Bayou City, and I was explaining to a woman how I made a vessel. And I said, do you want me to wrap that? And she's like, was holding it almost like a baby. Like, <laughs> I almost like, I don't want to let this go. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's great. Well, I think that's really important too, that people come in. And it's important for us as artists to not be shy, to be a little extroverted and go talk to people. Because honestly, they're there to visit and to understand who the artist is, how it was done, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to meet and greet and be the open artist and talk to those people. They love it, honestly. Yeah. And we're not all extroverts for a lot of the people. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say a fair share are introverts with extroversion as a learned skill. And right. I'll put myself there too. <laughs> I can understand I spent that. spent a lot of time by myself in the studio, but had to learn to talk to people about my, my art and my passion. And it's really, it's not a chore. Right. But I I can understand that because artists as a whole, I think everyone would agree, are typically introverted creatures. That's why you like to go away in your own space and do your own thing and then have that creative freedom. And then I can see that it's like, well, now I've got to go sell this to the world. So I better learn to get extroverted as quickly as I can. Sure. While you're making, you're in your own head. Right. Right. No, that makes perfect sense. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a naturally extroverted person, I would say, but I, I do so. have my times. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if I can get up here and talk for 50 right. something episodes this right. far, I better be, but there's still times that I have that feeling where it's like, you know what? I don't want to be, I don't want to be around people. I don't want to share my story. I don't want to talk about things. I just want to go to my own space. I feel like I live in between 
being a creative and then being a very analytical driven type person. Like I'm a good business person, I think, but at the same time, I'm a creative person at times too. And I feel like I have to learn to merge both of those. And when I'm in that creative mode, sometimes it can be easier to shut down and say, I just need to think about this and put this to some type of visualization versus just being able to talk and tell my story. It all comes together. You know, being in business without being creative about it is kind of a dead end, right? I agree there because, you know, that's one thing I'm hoping that I'll be able to, you know, give my first like public speech basically pretty soon. And that's kind of what I wanted to talk about in my head. If they don't have something they want presented is like getting that across that things are changing so rapidly you have to be creative because marketing isn't what it was 10 years ago. It's not what it was a month ago and it's not what it was yesterday, you know? And so in, in our business, and that's essentially what y'all are doing as a cooperative is marketing. It is. And in our business, man, you got to think of different ways to do it all the time. Yeah. So one more follow-up to your question. Our open house is every second Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m., and we call it Fresh Art because, as Larry mentioned, we have a process called Rehang. So we don't want collectors to come every month to see the same thing over and over. So... It's great because it keeps the artists moving, creating new art every month so that we can hang new, fresh art in there every month. So we literally will have a hundred new pieces in there every month. So if you're encouraged to come check it out, don't worry if you want to come back again, you won't see the same thing twice. Yeah, that's important. I'm glad you brought that up because that is something we had talked about before I left. Because I just mentioned my daughter's going to make me come back here. So we'll be back. And you had said, hey, the cool thing is you're always going to see something new. And that is, I think you're right. That's important because we want those people to come back, you know, and and be avid supporters. Well, and we do have collectors that come in and are anxious to see what their favorite artist has done for, for the new month. So it's great. And we encourage anybody that would follow an artist and that would be a collector, but we have some, some pretty good collectors that come in and buy quite a bit of art. So we're excited about that as well. Heck yeah. The collectors are fairly, they're very observant. They will know, have I seen this piece or not? Or, oh, this is a new style for you. Tell me about this new direction you're going. They really keep us on our toes. And it also, I mean, we all want to be you know, creative and keep on moving down that road as well. I could probably come in two, three times and see the same piece and you could tell me it was new. And I'd be like, oh yeah, this is really cool. I'm glad I get to see it. <laughs> I don't know. Some things I'm observant about, but art, man, it's always been interesting to me. It's always something I love, but I just... And I know the standard answer back to this, but I suck at it. So I enjoy doing it, but it's not something I ever want to yeah, show well, anybody. I think your daughter will bring you back there and you'll <laughs> right, have right. plenty of opportunities to test their theory. Oh, yeah. But you're right. And the standard answer is you're your own worst critic. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the standard answer. Yep. Yeah. Everybody does it. You have to be. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, somebody's got to keep you on your toes. And right. I saw a really cool study where they showed like how critical we are on ourselves. Right and how other people view us. And what they did was they had the people describe to a forensic artist themselves and the forensic artist could not see them. And he sat there and drew everybody based on our own description of ourselves. And it was bad. It was like, you know, big, huge nose and big forehead and scraggly hair. But then that same person described as that by themselves They would pull in someone else and say, describe this woman to us. Mm -hmm. And it was a totally different person, a beautiful person, totally different. 
And it was like, that was the whole point of the video was to show you like, you're your own worst critic, whether it's about yourself, your art, your business, your you know, anything appearance. you do, yeah. Yeah. you hate it, but everyone else sees you in a better light. It right. helps you grow. When I show some of my work to some people and they critique it by saying, oh, that's nice. I love it. I get absolutely nothing from that. Right. And I, I try to make a point of finding people either better or smarter at something than me and at, tell them, you know, I want your to be brutally honest. Yeah. I want to learn something here. And and that's where the growing occurs. It, it's not it's not pleasant. You know, it could be it could be a little painful at times. Yeah. And not just here, but in my work experience. When I was working as a doing research science, I wanted to ask somebody who I thought was a lot smarter than me, tell me what you think of of this and and you know kind of get a good answer, good critique from them. Yeah. I'm gonna go out on a limb. And just take a wild guess and say that you probably view your artwork as kind of your child. You're pretty particular about it. You love it a little bit. You care for it. It's got to be hard to hear criticism about it, but Actually, it definitely helps us no. grow. I mean, I, no, I, I'm totally wrong. All for right, me, all right. for me, yeah. no. Every piece that I work on, I try my best. And occasionally, rarely, I find something that I think sings. It's just like everything's right. But a lot of times I, I feel like, well... This could be a tiny bit better, or I could still learn to do something different. Okay. But I've even found that something that I think is kind of an ugly duckling, somebody else is going to fall in love with. So, you know, as far as the, as long as the quality is there and I feel like I'm executing good craftsmanship, yeah. I'm not embarrassed to put work out in public and, and let people find what they like. What about you, Eric? The same thing applies. And it's funny because art is so subjective. Yes. So, and I find that I can never be critical of another artist's work. Although in my head, I may be saying, "Mm, probably not what I would have done. But then we'll have customers come in and go, I love this piece. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Because it's not something that I would have been happy with. But that's the great thing about it. And especially when you have 100 plus pieces in there, somebody's going to find something they connect with. Sure. Something they love. Whether you think it's great or not, it doesn't matter because somebody's going to come in and connect with The most creative thing that I really enjoy doing is photography. Yeah. And that is something that I have found. I never criticize other people's work because I always consider myself, no matter how far I've come from when I first started taking pictures, I still consider myself to be just novice as can be, you know, beginner as, as all get out. But I see some of my own work sometimes and I'm like, Oh God, her face is blurry right there. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to, like I was trying to focus in on that and I messed that part up or I had a setting wrong and I hate it. But you learn. And then I give it to the client. Yeah. And the client's like, oh, my God, this is the best picture I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, that's right. It's her three-year-old in that picture. So she doesn't give a shit what it looks like. That's that's a perfect picture ever because it's got her baby in it. And I I think it's the same way. Like you said, you see the little imperfections and you're like, oh, I wish I'd have done this or I wish I'd have done that. But the other person comes in and they're like, this is what I was looking for. This is exactly what I need in my living room or wherever. So. Parting, I mean, you brought up, you know, do you feel like your work is your child and do you have trouble parting with it? I think that I've learned over the the years, and I've been making wooden bowls and stuff like that for more than 25 years. Wow. And I have a few pieces that I keep because I really, really like them, <laughs> yep. but I, you can't keep it all. And sure. you can't give it away all because people, you know, people start saying, well, I don't want that or, you know, I have enough. But most of what I make, 99%, I'll say, or 98%, that I'm happy and I'm happy with the way it came out and I feel like somebody else will love it and I can part with it. 
because for me, it's not really about the selling. It's it's just about the making. I would still be making things with my hands, gotcha. even if I wasn't selling. Of course, the selling is nice. It kind of you know, pays for power tools and other yeah, stuff. Yeah, but it like you said, it's the process that you enjoy. And that's it. I like the physicality. And for me, I like the challenge that I almost always feel like I could learn to do that just a tiny bit better. Yeah. I usually get frustrated and throw stuff. So <laughs> it's hard because I love making stuff with my hands, but then I get to a part that I can't figure out because YouTube only takes me so far. And then I'm like, I'm done. That's funny. <laughs> I will take something to the bandsaw if it's not ready to go out in public. <laughs> I mean, and I do that. You know, something yeah. that is just, just plain not going to work for one reason or another. Right. You know, just cut it up. Yeah. yeah. Same for me. I mean, there are some that I look at and go, you know what? I'm just going to paint over it. I'm just going to paint over it. Yeah. I'm not even going to look back and say, oh, I regret doing that. No fixing this. I had some stuff I worked on and I did some of the Dremel work on it, you know, and and kind of like, I don't know, I'm not an artist, so excuse my ignorance here. But, you know, like I, I stenciled out this whole thing and painted it and stained it and sealed it and all this stuff. And then you finally get back away from it. And it's supposed to say like, dad, you know, I forget what it was like, dad, a son's first hero. And then I think there was one that was supposed to say like daughter's first love, you know, something along those lines, but I'd messed up on making sure that my D looked exactly like a D and it kind of stenciled out before I cut it to look more like an O. So it was like Dow, the dad or son's first. And I was like, Oh my God, I noticed it. And then immediately my wife who has no problem criticizing and she will tell me when I've messed something up, she's like, Dow, huh? That's really nice. And I was like, all right, cool. Trash. Uh, yeah, I'm right. done. No yeah. more woodworking for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes the spouses are the best critics to help you. Best over. and worst because, you know, good luck for you if you can survive yeah. it because they'll be honest for no problems. Right. So, but your best work is not going to be your first one. It's going to be true. your last one. Yeah, you very know, true. You need to, I mean, if you made a hundred of those plaques, It'd be pretty darn good by the time Quitters never win and winners never yeah. quit. Don't be like me, boys and girls. Keep it up. I, I just don't have the patience. I put inventory number 250 today, pricing and setting things up in there. So in my four years, I've submitted 250 paintings to the gallery. So some of them I still have, regrettably, but some of them have gone away and I've, I've been relieved and also a little upset that maybe I didn't get what I should have out of it, but it's all fun. As long as I can keep painting and produce another 250, it'll be great. Fair enough. So supporting the gallery, besides coming into the events we talked about, besides showing up to the show, showing up to the gallery, purchasing things, all that kind of stuff. Are y'all on social media? Do you have a website? Tell me basically how to find y'all digitally, see what you have going on so that I can find you in person. Da Vinci Artists Gallery. Uh, just do a Google search. It'll bring you to us. There is another Da Vinci Gallery somewhere in Florida. Maybe it's not flooded out now, but Da Vinci Artists Gallery Tomball will get you there. And on our website, we do have a shopping area where you can shop by artist. Each artist should have maybe up to eight or nine images of work that they currently have in the gallery. So you can shop there. That's one online. and But before I toss it over, Eric, for the other online, I'll also say, come to the gallery, bring your friends. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
So we're real lucky, and you mentioned Hannah Maria. We're real lucky to have Hannah there. Hannah is, and I think anybody that's under 30 would be what we need for our social media because for some reason it's just instinctive. Us old guys don't get the instinct on the digital stuff as well. But Hannah Maria does a fantastic job. She posts something every day on Instagram and Facebook, and then we all tag along, share, and everything. I just discovered Ask Tom Ball, which is a great social media the Facebook group. It is. Yeah, yeah. I'm in that. I like that so, as well. Yeah, I just promoted the gallery on that. I saw that somebody was looking for some friends just new in town and looking to do something. So I thought, this is our avenue. This is great. Yeah, I think we're doing a lot on social media. And it really helps. It really does. 2.3 thousand followers on Facebook. Great. Great. Yeah, I like that. Do you want to talk about the art classes? That's something else that we do. Sure. I just did a private art class Sunday night. So we had 20 guests come in and we can do painting classes there in the gallery. So something that kind of faded away during COVID, but is back again. It's so much fun because it is your typical paint and sip kind of party. And we go in and just have some fun and get everybody to paint. It was great fun Sunday night. 20 people came in and we had a birthday party and a lot of fun. We could do private events like this was, uh, and also there so are open a birthday events. party, right? Yeah. Yeah. I see it on your, I'm looking for the, the listeners who aren't watching on YouTube. I'm looking on my laptop right now just to check y'all out on, on social media. And it reminds me of another company that is around that, you know, you can have a drink and paint, you yeah, know, some sure. would say with a twist. Uh-huh, yeah. I like that because we don't have one in Tomball anymore. Right. And the first time I ever went to that place, I was, I was like, this is going to be dumb to be honest, you know, cause again, I do like to paint and whatnot, but I know my skill level and it's not great, but it was probably one of the funnest nights I've ever had. I was, let's just say 750 milliliters deep into Jameson hunter proof, like the you know black barrel or whatever they call theirs, as well as shotgunning a couple of beers and not driving. I had a designated driver. My wife was pregnant, pregnant. We were done with our painting and I thought we had a lot to go because what was in front of me was ugly. <laughs> and I have never laughed so hard in my life because I literally, I'm sitting there and I'm like, all right, this is shaping up into a painting. I like it. This is starting to work out. And then they're like, all right, we're done. And I said, I'm sorry, what? We are what? And she's yeah. like, oh yeah, we're done. That was it. That's all your steps. And I mean, there's a video of it on Facebook somewhere. I almost died from laughing. And I don't mean like, oh, I was laughing pretty hard. I mean, I couldn't breathe. I was laughing, crying the whole nine. It was excellent. So no matter what your skill level is, this has to be a fun event. In addition to being, I mean, you know, a party event, my wife, who is a painter, has taken a class with Eric and also taken classes with some of the other artists that have been offered over the years. And and she's enjoyed that, getting to see work with someone else and see their style, kind of get into their head a little bit and, and take get something that she can take away. Like you said, if you keep doing it, yeah. you know, that first time I laughed so hard because my painting was so terrible. But if I had done that once a month or once, you know, every other week or so, then by now I yep. would probably have something worth hanging at the gallery. But yeah, you're right. It it's is funny. Helpful. It's funny. I'll give away one of my tricks. The first thing that I ask the people to do at a paint party is to take a Sharpie and put their name on the back of their canvas so that I can see them. So as I'm walking around, I can kind of see the long faces and people that aren't really happy with their painting. 
So I'll look on the back and say, hey, everybody, check out John's painting and I'll back up about 20 feet. And everybody will be like, oh, it's so good. And boy, you see the smile come on their face and all of a sudden their whole demeanor changes from yeah. I'm not doing so well to, hey, maybe I've got something here. So it, it, you make it fun. And honestly, the last paint party we did Sunday night, it was smiles all night long, That's all awesome. the way around. Well, that's killer, man. I, I think we got a lot of really good information out there about Da Vinci and I can't thank y'all enough for being on the show. If there's anything y'all want to get about Da Vinci out there, you know, something important for you to just say before we end it, man. I have something is we promote second Saturday in our open house. Okay. Uh, The fact is we're actually open Wednesday through Sunday. So not just Saturday night, you can come by the gallery literally any day except Monday and Tuesday and find one of the artists there. Come stroll around, check it out, and we'll be sure and remind you about the second Saturday. We're now selling gift cards as well. So if great for Christmas time. So if yep. you have a budding artist or if you have somebody who's seen something there and just isn't sure about buying it, get them a gift card and give it to them for Christmas. Fair enough. Awesome. Well, I think we've covered all the bases. Man, I think we. this has been a great show. Right? Honestly, I think we got a lot of great information out there. All I like to do is just encourage my listeners like, Go find this place, check it out, help out these artists that are pouring out their life in paint or in sculpture or everything, you know, everything that they want to do, they're putting it into that artwork and yeah, they're trying to sell it because they want to be able to buy more tools to be able to make their stuff. They want to be able to buy more supplies and they want to support this place that is a collective that brings so many artists together to do that as a team. So it's a worthy cause. Go check it out, whether it's the second Saturday events, their open house events, or, you know, like you said, just coming in on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Support them, man. But as always, we tell you, too, it costs $0 to like the page, to share the content, to comment on there. And I will say that if y'all respond on, you know, Facebook, Instagram, social media, like y'all do in person, I'm sure you can send some messages and ask some questions. And, you know, what's really cool, too, is... I hear that some of y'all's artists like to do other work, like painting murals and stuff. Hannah's going to be in the beefy offices here painting a mural for us. So that's great. uh, You can get these artists to come out and do some other work for you. You don't just have to go buy these pieces that are there. It's a worthy cause. You're supporting not only a small business, but a person who is trying to put together artwork and sell that to the world. So all that to say, thank you, gentlemen, for coming in today, talking to us, sharing y'all's story. It's been great. Thank you, John and Beefy. Absolutely. 315 West Main Street. There we go. Important. Yeah. 315 West Main. Yeah. A lot of cool shops. So park somewhere and walk. Don't just show up to the location. Check everything out around it too. block and a half from the farmer's market. Heck yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Beef Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We got to talk to some cool people about a really cool project right here in a small town. If you have somebody that you want to get on the show, please reach out to us, whether it's on Beefy Marketing social media, John the Marketer social media, just find us, reach out, and let's get your person on this show and tell their story just like this one. But as for us, one of the last few episodes of the Beef Podcast, that's it. We're out of here. And as always, always stay beefy my friends you've been listening to the beef 
Thanks for listening. Make sure to like, rate, and review. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information that you can use. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, follow us on social media. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. Would you like your business featured on the beef? Know a business that should be featured? Visit beefymarketing.com slash the beef. Remember, branding is about a connection with you and your people. Till next time, thanks for listening to The Beef.